Welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. This week, we are going to look at scriptures from the Daily Lectionary in Proper 28. Now, if you've been following me the last several weeks or months, we are in the second half of the liturgical season. The first half of the liturgical season begins with Advent, and we'll be in Advent in a couple of weeks. And the second half are the Sundays after Pentecost, and Pentecost ends the first season, the first half of the year. Six, it comes out to be about six months apiece. Proper 28, we've only got two more weeks. The week of Proper 28, week of Proper 29, and then we're ready to go for Advent. Advent is usually at the end of November or the beginning of December, depending on where the date of Christmas Day is. When is Christmas Day? Okay. Proper 28 We'll be looking at the Old Testament scriptures from Habakkuk, who is a minor prophet, and Malachi. Last week, we looked at Joel, if you remember. We will be looking at the book of James. We started James last week in chapters 1 and the first half of chapter 2. We'll be looking at chapters 2, 3, 4, and 5. The New Testament book, James, has five chapters. And we will continue on with Jesus in Luke 16, 19, through Luke 18, 14. So we've been journeying with Jesus a long time in the book of Luke, and we are finishing up James, and we are introducing Habakkuk, a few scriptures in Habakkuk, and Malachi. Now, Habakkuk and Malachi are what we call minor prophets, as I said last week. There are 12 minor prophets. They are located at the end of the Old Testament in the English Bible. The Hebrew Bible has a different arrangement, order of books. It has the same 39, but just puts them in different order for different reasons. The book of Habakkuk uh, is a short book. It's uh, three chapters long, and Malachi is four chapters. And so let's look at each of these books. I hope you'll enjoy reading. Read the whole uh, chapter, three and four, uh, in your Bible as you are following these along in the daily lectionary. It starts off very quickly. Verse 2, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you did not listen? Rhetorical question. Or cry out to you, violence, but you did not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? So something terrible is going on in the land. And Habakkuk the prophet is responding to it. Destruction and violence are before me. So what's going on is bad. There is strife and a conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. Things are so bad that when we invoke law, it does not work. And we try to be just, and we can't be just. So now we have an anarchist situation. We have anarchy. We have um, a significant problem uh, in, our, in, in the Israelite community. The wicked, him, him in the righteous, so that justice is perverted. Now, God says to this, his response to this indictment in this diatribe, if you will, against him, Look at the nations and watch, verse 5. Be utterly amazed. I'm going to do something in your days you would not believe, even if you were told, I'm raising up the Babylonians. Now remember, the Babylonians are the ones that take is the Judah into captivity, the southern kingdom into captivity, 2 Kings 25, in 587 B.C. It actually begins about 600, but it's completed about 587. They tear down the temple. They drag many citizens into captivity into Babylonia. And they destroy, uh, they destroy the, the, the city of Jerusalem and the countryside. It's just a horrible thing. 
And God is raising them up. That ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. They are a fear and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote, promote their own honor. And then he begins to tell you how bad they are. So in verse 12, Habakkuk says, O Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, we will not die. O Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. O Rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look at evil. You can't tolerate. What are you doing? You can't do this. This is not you. This is not right. And he begins to tell how bad this situation is. Chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand at my watch. This is Habakkuk speaking. I station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. I am complaining against God. I am not happy about this situation. He is unjustly raising up a, a ungodly, horrible nation to destroy us. The Lord replied, verse 2, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. I'm going to reveal something to you, and it's going to be true. It's not going to be false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and not delay. I'm going to answer your question about it. It's going to be revelatory. Wait for it. It will be true. And here's the famous answer. And this scripture is repeated several places in the New Testament. See, he is puffed up, verse 4. His desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by his faith. The righteous will live by faith. And this underscores, and we'll see it develop very well in the New Testament, how important faith is. Jesus will develop that idea, and Paul will in his letters, Jesus in the Gospels, the importance of faith. Faith. Verse 14 of chapter 2. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. He's going to do something great. Now, I love verse 18, 19, and 20. Of what value is an idol? Remember, no other gods before me. Uh, uh, commandment number one. Commandment number two, uh, no idols. What value is an idol since a man has carved it? Or an image that teaches lies. For he who makes it trust in his own creation, he makes idols that cannot speak. Woe to him who says to the wood, come to life, or to lifeless stone, wake up. Can it give guidance? Can this, can this idol do anything? Can it give guidance? It's covered with gold and silver. There's no breath in it. It's not alive. It's dead. There's, no, there's nothing to it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Great scripture. Mark that in your Bible. And Habakkuk uh, finishes with a couple of nice lines in chapter 3. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord, verse 1. Renew them in our day, in our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. We should always seek God, and we should always ask for mercy. Don't ask for justice, people. Ask for mercy, the mercy of God. 17 and 18 and 19 are quite famous in Habakkuk also. Though the tree, fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God my Savior. Nothing's going right. I got negative circumstances. 
nothing is going well in my day. That might be some of you listening to me today in this program. But I'm going to rejoice in God. I'm going to be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go to the heights. I will not abandon God. I will trust him. Now, remember the first part of Habakkuk didn't look very good. It looked bleak, dire, foreboding. But he trusted in God. His faith was crucial in standing in the Lord. And God says, don't create idols. They can't do anything. The Lord is in holy, his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent. Trust in the Lord no matter what your circumstances are today. Malachi. Now, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. And then there was about a 400-year gap between Malachi and God speaking in um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? Before the coming of John the Baptist, actually. 400 years, approximately. So in Malachi, we're looking at chapter 1 and 2 and 3, and, and he's taken some snippets uh, there. Uh, and uh, so enjoy reading the first part of Malachi, uh, chapter 2. And this admonition is to you, O priests. So he's talking to the priests. If you do not listen, if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you. I will curse your blessings, he says. Yes, I have already cursed them because you've not set your heart to honor me. So when we don't honor the Lord, there's cursing. You do not want cursing from God. You want blessing. So you have blessing, cursing. And he cursed even the priests. Now, if the priests are cursed, the community's in trouble because they intercede for the community and they perform a lot of very significant functions in their relationship to God for the community and for the individuals. All right. Verse 5, my covenant was with him, a covenant of life, life and peace. I, um, I gave them to him. This is called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. Who's he talking about? Let's look, go back and look at verse 3. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will spread on your faces the awful from your festival sacrifices and you will be carried off with it and you will know that i have sent you this admonition so that my covenant with levi may continue my covenant was with him and so then he speaks about his covenant with levi true instruction was in his mouth nothing false was in his lips so you want to be instructed in the ways of the lord truthfully not everybody that speaks speaks in the name of the lord he walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. That's what a great pastor, priest, instructor, teacher does, is instructs people in the truth and turns people from evil. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, verse 7. It's a good thing for me to remember. And from his mouth, men should seek instruction. Another good thing for me to remember. Because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. See the significance of people like myself? See the significance of our teachers. See the significance of those who are ordained. See the significance of those who are parishioners and they choose to teach the word of the Lord to the congregation, Sunday school, and other exercises. Very, very important. But you've turned from the way and by your teaching you've caused many to stumble. Verse 8. You've violated the covenant with Levi. So, I've caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people because you've not followed my ways but have shown partiality in matters of the law. 
So there's this very close relationship that God has with his people, even today. And he expects us to act in an honorable way. He expects us to receive good teaching. He expects the teachers to give the truth so that the people will receive the good teaching, honor the Lord, and follow him, and there will not be a curse. Chapter 3. I, the Lord, do not change. Verse 6. Then he says in verse 8, very famously, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. How do we rob you? He says, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse. There's that word again. The whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, and see if I, not, I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room to fill it. So when people talk about tithing, churches talk about tithing and giving 10%, they're talking about giving it to the church. This is not an offering. An offering is an addition to the tithe. The tithe is the minimal amount, and a tithe means 10%. Chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4 of Malachi. Last couple of verses of Malachi chapter 4. I will send you the prophet Elijah. Remember the great prophet Elijah in Kings? Before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers or else I would come and strike this land with a curse. And Jesus refers to John the Baptist as that person. It's very interesting we see that in the New Testament. And there ends Malachi. So, You've got an ungodly group of people, about 400 B.C. The priests aren't doing what they're supposed to do. The teaching is not that good. Um, The sacrificial system is not that good. And the people languish when the leadership, those who are leading the Lord, uh, fail to do what they're supposed to do. James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Now, this is after Hebrews. James chapter 2. Remember I told you last week that James is very much practical and a very practical book. And so in the second half, he talks about faith and works. A very very famous faith of works. Verse 18. You have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by what I do. So there has to be a correlation between what we believe. Remember faith, Habakkuk 2.4, and works, what we do as a result of what we believe. There should be congruity between those two things, James is saying in this very important second half of chapter 2. That those of us that believe in the Lord strongly and put our faith and trust in him, one should see good works evidenced by that faith. Continuing on. In chapter 3, I mentioned last week about the tongue, and here you have it in all of its glory, verses 1 through 12. Consider what a great forest fire is set on fire by a small spark, verse 5. 2, the tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Wow! With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, verse 9, and with it, We curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. What did I say about the congruity between faith and works? What did I say about your Christian witness and mine? That it be very godly, very holy, okay? What we believe, what we do. Your tongue is a wonderful way to gauge what kind 
of attitudes are in your heart. Jesus spoke about that in the Gospels. What comes out of a person is what Jesus is interested in. So whatever is in you, what you believe, it's going to come out in what you do. And you want your tongue and your actions and your daily living and the parts of your body moving in such a way that they glorify the Lord. Be careful about your tongue, though, people. It is very, very, very uh, dangerous or it can be very, very good. Keep it good. Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Can't wait for this answer. Let him show it by his good life. There we go again. By deeds done. There's the deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So when you have humility and you have wisdom, you are doing very, very, very well. Very, very, very well. Chapter 4. Verse 7, and all these verses are very good, so I'm just picking out a couple of them as we go through this together. Um, Verse 7 of chapter 4, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and you will flee from you. How are you going to deal with the devil? I believe the devil is real. I believe he's a mighty, powerful force. You have to submit to God. You can't fight the devil yourself. You and I cannot fight uh, Satan. We have to submit to God. Resist him, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will come near to you. Move toward the Lord. The Lord will move to you. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord. He will lift you up. Just very important, simple language that you want to inculcate in your soul. You want to get that information inside of you. You want to, you want to think about it and you want to act upon it. Look at these series of verses in verse 4. Into four, four. Uh, verse 13, now listen. You who say, today or tomorrow, we will go do this or that, spend a year here, carry on business and make money. Why do you not know why you do not know what will happen tomorrow? You make all these plans. You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. He says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live that and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Chapter 5, warnings to rich oppressors. Remember the rich people in the beginning of chapter 2? Patience and suffering. If it, is anybody in trouble, verse 13? He should praise. Anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the person well. The Lord will raise him up. Enjoy the book of James. Short, sweet, practical, easy to understand. May the grace of God be with us to do it. Luke chapter 16. Now this is a beautiful scripture. Luke chapter 16. It's only found in Luke, by the way. It's not in Matthew, Mark, or John. 1619, neither is the parable of the prodigal son. We remember we talked about that last week, and we talked about the parable of the shrewd manager. That's definitely not in Matthew, Mark, and John. There's the rich man and Lazarus. So the great story, and you've read it, about the rich man and then the beggar, and the beggar didn't get much, and the rich man gets everything, and they find themselves in two different locations. Well, the rich man ends up in hell, and the poor man ends up in Abraham's bosom. Abraham says, son, verse 25, remember in your lifetime you received good things and Lazarus received bad things? That was the name of the poor guy. But now he's comforted here and you're in agony. 
And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm that has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. So he says, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let them warn them. So they won't come to this place of torment. Warn them and tell them this is not what they need to do. I'm sitting here, and I know I'm, I can't get over. I can't, I can't cross the chasm. But if you go and tell them, they won't, they'll change their way. I don't want them to come to this horrible place. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. They have everything they need. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham. But if someone from the dead goes, they will repent. I love this last line. He said to them, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. People don't believe in Jesus and the man rose from the dead and they still don't believe. May God always give us the grace to believe. All right. Jesus is talking in chapter 17 about some lessons he wants us to have and wants us to know. And then in uh, in verses 1 through 10, Okay, and the great line in 10 is beautiful. So also, when you've done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. When you follow the Lord, you do what he tells you. You don't need a whole lot of reward for that. You've done your duty. It's a beautiful act of humility. The 10 are healed of leprosy. Only one comes back. It's a Samaritan. Jesus says, where are the other nine? Has no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Beautiful scripture. It talks about the coming of the kingdom of God in the second half of chapter 17. He says in verse 33, whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. There's a great paradox. If you try to keep your life, you're going to lose your life. You need to let it go. You need to give it to God. Chapter 18 is a beautiful parable of the persistent widow. Be persistent, people. Be persistent in your faith. Habakkuk 2.4. Continue to grow. Don't give up. Don't let the circumstances of life impede your growth. Don't make excuses. Keep on going. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeing. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Last scripture. Each of, uh, to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everybody else. I hope that's not your problem. But it often is in our nature to look down on other people and to be convinced of your own righteousness. So Jesus tells the story. He said two people went up to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed, God, I thank you. I'm not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, even like this tax collector. Tax collectors were not, were spoken up very badly at that time. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I got. But speaking of tithing, I'm giving a tenth. The tax collector stood at a distance. He couldn't even look up to heaven. He beat his breast. He said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's a great line to use. Jesus' closing remark. Again, a great closing remark. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. In right standing before God is what justified means. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Remember, we just talked about about humility in James. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, as you're reading these scriptures in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and the Gospels, which are part of the Old Testament, and you begin to learn these scriptures, you can make cross-references to these texts as God 
continues to illuminate your mind and give you revelation. So we've, we've already talked about humility. We've talked about faith. We talked about mercy. We talked about wrongdoing. We've talked about cursing. We talk about what happens when we do not believe the rich man, even if someone rose from the dead. So you take these scriptures and you think about them, you pray about them, and you reflect upon them. So I hope you enjoy Proper 28 week. Enjoy the scriptures. May God bless you abundantly. And we'll see you next week for Proper 29 in the Daily Lectionary.